Hey everybody, this is Josh Gunter with The Gathering Springfield. Thank you so much for joining us in today's episode as we continue the conversation of Christ's return. We've been studying eschatology, which is the study of last things. Last week we walked through Revelation chapter 15 and 16, and in today's episode we're going to be discussing Revelation 17 and 18, which speaks of the great prostitute and the beast, that prostitute Babylon and the beast and the activity of the last days. It's going to be a great study. So before we get started, let's ask the Father to give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit is saying to the churches through the Scripture. Hey everybody, it's another Wednesday, which means another episode in our podcast. Again, thanks for joining me. If this is your first episode joining us, I would highly suggest going back and listening to some of the earlier episodes because each of these teachings build on the other. And if you're just now joining us, especially in today's episode, there may be a lot of confusion. It may just seem like a bunch of chaos. But the truth is, if you take today's episode along with the other episodes and the other teachings, it starts to make more sense. Chapter 17 and chapter 18. 18 of Revelation talks about the great prostitute and this beast. It gives some prophetic symbolism and, and speaks of this prostitute Babylon and this dragon that she rides on and, and the many waters that they're hovering over and, and things like that. So it can be it can be quite confusing if you don't have a good understanding of some of these prophetic pictures and what they mean. Uh, but I would also like to suggest that it's not as confusing as we like to make it because as we read chapter 17, the Apostle John has actually given Revelation on what these different symbols represent and who they are. And so if we read it with careful study and with a desire to know what God is speaking to his church, the Holy Spirit will reveal those things to us. Uh, so it's it's not as hard as we like to make it. And so we're going to read here chapter 17 and chapter 18 today, and we're going to continue in our study through the book of Revelation. We just have a few more episodes left in our study uh, here in this first season. It's wild to think that we've already gone through through a whole season in this podcast, uh, but we're about to wrap it up, and so we'll go ahead and continue that. But before we get into chapter 17, I want to reiterate something that I say almost every episode. The return of Christ is a vital part of the gospel message. The message of Jesus dying on the cross and resurrecting is obviously the cornerstone of our faith, and it is a vital part of the gospel message. Christ's second return and him coming back to the earth is also a vital part of the gospel and a major part of the redemptive story of mankind. We need to lean into this reality as much as we lean into the gospel of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, the gospel of Christ's return and establishing his kingdom in fullness and redeeming all the earth, a very major part of the gospel story. And that's why we give ourselves to this study. So let's go ahead and read here Revelation chapter 17, verse 1. Last week we talked about the seven bowls of God's wrath, which are going to be poured out right after the rapture. Christ is going to step out of the clouds. He's going to rapture his church. The dead in Christ are going to be resurrected. And then those who are in Christ and are living are going to be raptured or gathered up with them and meet the Lord in the air. And then after that, as soon as the rapture happens, the bowls of God's wrath are poured out on the earth as judgments on the Antichrist and his empire. And then here in chapter 17, John is given this big picture of these things that are taking place and some prophetic symbolism as to things that are going on. Chapter 17, verse 1. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls, speaking of the bowls of God's wrath that we just read about in chapter 16, came and said to me, Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. We're going to talk about her in a little bit. With whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, 
and with the wine of whose sexual immorality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet, and adorned with gold and jewels and pearls, holding in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the impurities of her sexual immorality. On her forehead was written a name of mystery, Babylon the Great, mother of prostitutes, and the earth's abominations. And I saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. We're going to stop there for just a moment and talk about what we just read. First off, John is seeing a prophetic picture which explains and describes very real events. It's not just a poetic vision that he's saying, oh wow, that's a great vision, but he's seeing these prophetic symbols that actually speak of real events and real things that are taking place. First, he sees this woman who was sitting on the scarlet beast, which is strange to think about. We're going to get some greater revelation on that as we continue to read. But he sees this woman sitting on the beast. Right now, we don't have a whole lot of revelation on who the woman is, but we do start to understand who this beast is. It says that he had seven heads and ten horns. In Revelation chapter 13, we are told of the beast who has seven heads and ten horns, has blasphemous names written on his head. He's the Antichrist. He's the one who ushers in the abomination of desolation, who demands the world to worship him. He's the end times or the last days antichrist who rises to power. This beast represents more than just that one individual, but it speaks more than just the one man antichrist, but the spirit of antichrist that has been in operation through the ages. And we're going to talk more about that in a little bit as well. And this woman was sitting on top of the beast, the spirit of antichrist says that she was arrayed in purple, scarlet. She had gold and jewels and pearls and, and this golden cup full of abomination and impurities. Uh, her sexual immorality and that she made the nations drink from. This prostitute, this woman, has wealth, has gold and fine things and comforts, but a cup full of abominations and impurities. It speaks of Babylonian spirit, this almost like this unclean and vile Babylonian spirit of the world. And through scripture, Babylon often speaks of the, the culture, the spirit of the world that is set up against uh, the kingdom of heaven. And this prostitute has all this wealth and worldly riches and these indulgences. And she's full of blasphemous words against God. And she is in direct violation of God's way of doing things. She promotes sexual immorality and sorcery and evil things set up against the kingdom of God. Not only that, she led the nations to kill the saints or the martyrs of Jesus Christ. It says that she saw the woman drunk with the blood of the saints, the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. This prostitute, this evil, adulterous woman, through the years promoted the murder of the innocent saints of Jesus Christ. Let's continue to read. He says, When I saw her, I marveled greatly. But the angel said to me, Why do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast with seven heads and ten horns that carry her. The beast that you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. And the dwellers on earth whose names have not been written in the book of life from the foundation of the world will marvel to see the beast because it was and is not and is to come. This calls for a mind with wisdom. Now, this next statement that he's about to say, he specifically says this calls for a mind with wisdom. He says, The seven heads are seven mountains, 
on which the woman is seated. They are also seven kings, five of whom have fallen, one is, the other has not yet come. And when he does come, he must remain only a little while. As for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven, and it goes to destruction. And the ten horns that you saw are ten kings, who have not yet received royal power, but they are to receive authority as kings for one hour, together with the beast. These are of one mind, and they hand over their power and authority to the beast. They will make war on the lamb, and the lamb will conquer them. For he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, and those with him are called and chosen and faithful. So, I know there's a lot there. Let's go ahead and read the rest of the chapter, and, uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of do an overall summary, verse-by-verse verse summary of what's being, what John is seeing here. Verse 15, And the angel said to me, The waters that you saw, where the prostitute is seated, are the peoples and multitudes and nations and languages. And the ten horns that you saw, they and the beast will hate the prostitute. They will make her desolate and naked and devour her flesh and burn her up with fire. For God has put it in their hearts to carry out his purpose by being of one mind and handing over their royal power to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman that you saw is the great city that has dominion over the kings of the earth. All right, chapter 17 and even 18 that we're about to about to read uh, really reveals how deeply this Babylon seduction will infiltrate all levels of society, and, exp and it explains why the bowls of God's wrath are necessary. If you read what David prophesied in Psalm chapter 2, verse 9, David prophesied that the Messiah would dash the nations to pieces in the end time. Also, Revelation chapter 2 speaks of that as well. Uh, Jesus is going to do that by releasing the bowls of God's wrath, which we read about last week in Revelation chapter 16. And with that, he's going to utterly destroy all the infrastructures of society that have been influenced by the seductions of Babylon. So this Babylon, this prostitute, is this evil spirit of the world that has influenced society throughout the years to be anti-Jesus, to be anti-God. The spirit of Babylon has promised wealth and comforts, and worldly desires, and has promoted sexual immorality and sorcery and evil things. These chapters are some of the most significant end-time prophecies because it gives insight into Satan's strategy in deceiving the nations. How does Satan deceive the nations? By using the harlot Babylon with these pleasures and these desires that, that look great to the flesh, uh, Babylon is going to primarily be a religious and economic network. It's the way Satan has deceived the nations for years, all the way to early society. Now, right here, what we're reading about in the last days about this prostitute and, and, and Babylon, it's going to be this infrastructure, this way of life, the culture that is going to be around the world. It will be a lifestyle, so to speak, adopted by the world. It will be primarily a religious and economic structure or network. Revelation 17 focuses on Babylon's religion as a harlot with seductive power and engaging in cruel persecution of the saints. Uh, this harlot is going to be like a counterfeit to the bride of Christ. It'll be a counterfeit justice movement, unifying multitudes from many different religions. What we're going to see is that these different religions that are that are separate, that do their own thing, they're going to unify under this Babylonian 
religion, this Babylonian lifestyle. Chapter 17 is focused on that time period when before the Great Tribulation, before the Antichrist rises to power and he establishes the abomination of desolation, which is at the middle of the seven-year tribulation. Chapter 17 focuses on the time before the Antichrist rises to power. At the end of the chapter, it speaks about how the Antichrist rises up and destroys the harlot Babylon. What the harlot Babylon does, it unifies the earth, the religions of the world, and it creates this tolerance, this religious system that all roads lead to to heaven or whatever uh, phrase that will be used. It brings them all together, unifying them. Think about the Tower of Babel when all the nations of the earth came together and they were of one mind, one accord in the face against God. This Babylon harlot spirit is going to do the same thing. And it's going to be a stepping stone that is going to usher in the world in the worship of the Antichrist. It's going to prepare the nations to come under one unified religion, one unified way of life. There will be a lot of tolerance for every type of worship, every type of religion, except for Christianity. And then at some point, the Antichrist is going to come in and destroy that system that has all kinds of tolerance and demand the worship of himself. It vividly describes the seductive power and cruel persecution that the harlot's one-world religious system is going to have against Christians and how the nations of the earth are going to be seduced by her attractions. And again, notice that she sits on the beast and the Antichrist. There's a season where the Antichrist and the nations that are submitted to this man, they're actually going to be in partnership with this system, with this religious worldwide system. Now, at some point, the Antichrist is going to break agreement with the harlot Babylon and going to dem- demand the nations to worship him. The Antichrist has a twofold strategy to cause all the nations of the earth to worship himself. First, he will use the harlot's religion's uh, religious tolerance to draw multitudes to turn away from their former religious allegiances. And secondly, he's going to replace the Babylon's religion with a harsh religion characterized by a strict allegiance enforced by brutality, meaning that he's going to demand people to worship him. He's not going to allow the worship of this God and this God and this God and and to do things under this system and this system. He's going to demand that people strictly worship him and are in allegiance towards him. And if you do not do that, then the consequences is going to be a severe punishment and even death. So this harlot religion or the Babylonian religion here will serve as a type of forerunner to prepare the nations to worship the Antichrist. She's going to seduce the nations with wealth and tolerance and and no moral absolutes. It's going to be a religious system that will boldly proclaim that no one religion is better than another and all roads lead to salvation. And then finally, after she serves her purpose of weakening the people's mindset and devotion to their own traditional belief system, uh, the Antichrist and the ten political leaders that work closely together with him are going to suddenly betray the harlot Babylon by destroying her system. It's going to occur sometime in the middle of the final seven years uh, of this age, the last few years of human history. I know that's a lot uh, to try to break down and get out of this. So uh, again, kind of a verse-by-verse description of what's going on. Verse 1, the harlot sits on the many waters, meaning that she has authority over many nations. The waters are many nations. She's going to seduce and control the most powerful world leaders and their governments. So she sits on these nations. Verse 2, the nations are going to be drunk with her seductions. These seductions include you know, benefits for themselves and those that they govern. Uh, the world 
going to get drunk, meaning that they're not going to make logical decisions or they're not going to have a moral compass, high moral standard. Their moral decisions are going to falter, but they're going to follow the leading of the great demonic deception of Babylon. Verses 3 through 6 describes attributes of the harlot Babylon. She has great worldly attractions, but she's also the source of great and severe persecution against the true followers of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, the angel reveals to John that he's about to receive clarity on the meaning of what he is seeing. And then verse 8, the beast is revealed, and he's the Antichrist. Then we start seeing wording that can be somewhat confusing. It says, the beast you saw was and is not and is about to rise from the bottomless pit and go to destruction. Later on, says things like, you know, the seven kings and the, the seven heads and the seven horns and, and has this description. But the verse 8, the beast is the Antichrist, and the spirit of Antichrist was and is restrained until his appointed time. The New Testament says that the spirit of Antichrist is being kept until a certain time, and then the one who is restraining him is going to release his hand and allow the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist to manifest on a man. The spirit of Antichrist was and is restrained in part, and then is going to be released, and he's going to arise and manifest power in a man, Satan's going to give him this power, and then later he's going to be destroyed. He was, he will arise, and he's going to later be destroyed. The Bible says he's going to be destroyed when Jesus returns to the earth. At that moment, destroys the Antichrist, the false prophet, and their followers, and throws them into the lake of fire. And unbelievers, that here it says that the unbelievers are going to marvel at the coming of the beast. Verses 9 through 10, that talks about the seven heads, or their seven mountains, or nations. And then there are seven kings, or leaders, in which the woman sits. So they're the kings, the political leaders, that are governing these nations. We see that they're in partnership with the Antichrist. They're serving him as their leader. And the Babylonian spirit or this prostitute is sitting on these nations. And it's these nations that are in partnership and influencing their people in this Babylon, the prostitute type spirit. The seven heads represent seven vast empires. It says five of whom have fallen. And during John's time, here's we got to remember, read about this during John's time period. He says five of them have fallen. One one is and another is yet to come. So he's speaking of these seven heads. He says five of them are past, one of them is current, and then there's another one that is to come. What that speaks of are the seven heads represent seven vast empires that were under the Antichrist control who persecuted Israel. They are Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece. Those are the five that were, that they're past, they've fallen. And John is saying that these five empires have fallen, but they were under the influence of the Antichrist and the Antichrist spirit. They were against God's covenant people. And then he says, one is, and that is ancient Rome, the Roman empire of John's day. That's the empire that was at that time. And then he says, yet there is another that is to come, which speaks of a revived or a future Roman-like empire. It talks about this in Daniel chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 20, chapter 24, Revelation chapter 12, chapter 13, uh, and then again here in chapter 17, this future empire. And from this future empire, an eight is going to arise, which is the Antichrist. Verse 11, the Antichrist who will arise in the last days will be the eight leader who is a part of the seven, meaning he is still uh, a part of that Antichrist spirit, and he is going to arise and uh, come from one of those seven empires. Then after his rule, he's going to be destroyed. We know that he's destroyed 
by Jesus. See, verse 11, as for the beast that was and is not, it is an eighth, but it belongs to the seven and it goes to destruction. Jesus is going to destroy this beast. Verses 12 through 13 speak of a future ten-nation confederation made up of ten kings who will each enthusiastically come under the Antichrist authority. They're going to obey the Antichrist and submit their resources to him. Daniel spoke about this in Daniel chapter 2, chapter 7, chapter 20, chapter 24, uh, chapter 11, 36 through 45. Uh, we see a lot of this uh, talked about both in Revelation and in the book of Daniel. Verses 14 says that these nations will march to war against Jesus, but will be destroyed by him. He reigns over all kings and lords of the earth. That speaks of what we read about last week in chapter 16 in the battle of Armageddon. They're going to march against Christ and he's going to destroy them. Uh, verse 15, the waters re represent many diverse peoples of the earth. Uh, and then in verses 16 and 17, it says that God is going to use these ten nations and the Antichrist to destroy that Babylon religious structure for his ultimate plan to destroy all his enemies. He's actually going to use the Antichrist and that system to destroy the Babylon system. The Antichrist is going to demand all to turn from their religious tolerance and wholeheartedly devote themselves to himself, to worshiping him. Daniel speaks of it as this man who sets up the abomination of desolation isn't going to honor any other god. He's not going going to allow any other religious system to thrive. In fact, he's going to shut it down and he's going to make uh, the nations worship him. And that's, again, what Revelation here is speaking about. In chapter 18, what we read about is an angel that is has great authority and he's declaring this message of judgment against Babylon and the results of the reasons of her judgment. So that's basically what uh, chapter 18 is an angel declaring the judgments that are going to fall on this evil, demonic Babylon, mother of prostitutes, uh, and earth's abominations, the judgments that are going to be poured out on that system and that culture. Many believe that there's going to be an actual nation that is kind of uh, spearheading this lifestyle and leading the world in this great deception. Others believe it is just a global uh, deception. I happen to lean more towards that there is a certain nation, a certain country that is spearheading this movement or this lifestyle or this, uh, this structure, and that structure is going to fall. Let's go ahead and read it here in chapter 18. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. So this structure, this system, this country has become a dwelling place for unclean demons and vile things, deceiving the nations and leading them in immorality, much like Babylon uh, in the Old Testament, much like Egypt in the Old Testament, much like Greece, much like a lot of these evil nations that have led, you know, like Sodom and Gomorrah, full of demonic activity. There's going to be great demonic activity in these last days uh, before she's destroyed. Verse 4, Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. 
makes a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torment and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. That points back to Jezebel in the Old Testament, the things that she said, who led the nation in immorality and rebellion against God. This structure is going to do the same thing. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine. She will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. And remember, it's the judgment of God, but it's coming through the beast and the nations that are in partnership with him. It says that uh, the, they, when they see the smoke of her burning, they will stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her, since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold, silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, and all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron, and marble, cinnamon, spices, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle, and sheep, horses, chariots, and slaves, that is, human souls. That could be translated to human lives. Uh, you know, that, that can speak to uh, sex trafficking and, uh, and just slavery in general. Verse 14, the fruit for which your soul long has gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. From the world's perspective, before the Antichrist rises to power in the middle of the tribulation and establishes the abomination of desolation, there's going to be a sense of false peace and a sense of false prosperity. The nations are going to be unified and they're going to be prospering in a material type of way, but they're going to be living in such disgusting and vile sins. Now all of a sudden, this system is being broken and the nations who are in partnership with her are mourning, except for the nations that the Antichrist is leading in these ten nations that are submitted to him. And then they're going to demand the other nations and the people of the earth to strictly worship the Antichrist. Verse 15, The merchants of these wars who gain wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud. Alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. For in a single hour, all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men and sailors and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of her burning. What city was like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept aloud and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she had been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. So whenever the evil nations of the world are weeping and mourning, saints are to rejoice over the judgment that's on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, So will Babylon, the great city, be thrown down with violence and will be found no more. And the sound of harpists and musicians, of flute players and trumpeters, will be heard in you no more, and a craftsman of any craft will be found in you no more, and the sound of the mill will be heard in you no more, and the light of a lamp will shine in you no more, and the voice of bridegroom and bride will be heard in you no more. 
For your merchants were the great ones of the earth, and all the nations were deceived by your sorcery. And in her was found the blood of the prophets and of the saints, and of all who have been slain on earth. This religious structure is going to be the source of the world being deceived, living in immorality and disgusting lifestyle with no high moral standard, no submission to truth or the word of God. They're going to be drunken with the pleasures that she provides, and they're going to slaughter, they're going to persecute God's people. Now, the Antichrist, whenever he takes over and he destroys this structure, this system, or this country, whatever, this this Babylon, the spirit of Babylon, this harlot prostitute, he's going to destroy that global peace-type structure, but he's still going to demand his own worship, and now he's going to slaughter everyone who doesn't worship him, and he will continue to persecute Christians and, and war against God's people. And then whenever Christ returns and resurrects the dead and raptures his church, then the Antichrist, the nation and the false prophet and the kings, that ten nation confederation, those ten nations and the followers that submitted to the Antichrist and his empire are going to gather in the battle of Armageddon against Jesus and he's going to slay them and slaughter them and cast the Antichrist and the false prophet into the lake of fire. And as much as I hate to say it, that's all we have time for today, but that's Revelation chapter 17 and 18. Now, whenever we take this message and couple it with the rest of Revelation that we've studied, and then the next, I think we got two, three more weeks on this topic, we understand the picture of Christ's return, the days leading up to it, and the events that are going to happen after he returns. It's something that we we definitely need to have an understanding on as we seek God and learn how to submit to his leadership during this time, that we would be faithful and that we would be wise in the midst of all this chaos and submit to his lordship and his kingdom as his kingdom comes on this earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I love you. Thank you for who you are and all that you're doing. You are so good. I pray that you would continue to give revelation and understanding and wisdom as we go through the Bible and we we seek your face and to understand your plans of the last days as you prepare us for that generation and your return. We love you, Lord. Help us remain faithful and wise as we excitedly look to the heavens and anticipate the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you, and it's in his holy name we pray. Amen.